everybody. Welcome to another episode of This Is My Bourbon Podcast. I am your host, Perry, and with me, as always, are the other two bourbon boys, the co-hosts of the show, Curtis and Swan. Guys, welcome back to the show. How are you today? I'm great. How about you? <laughs> great, too. There also you great. This is the shouting episode. This is the episode where we do everything shouting. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you? <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> I remember when they invented chocolate. Yeah, I always I hated it. I feel like we've referenced that episode of SpongeBob so many times. Have we really? I think it's happened like once or twice. Oh, goodness gracious. I did have a full conversation uh, over vacation about what my favorite episodes of SpongeBob were. And uh, spoiler alert, it's not what you think. Is it when he delivers a Krusty Krab pizza? Because that's my favorite. That is a great episode, but no. No. <laughs> It's it's a doodlebob. Doodlebob, really strong. Doodlebob's amazing. See, it's I actually do not like doodlebob. Lucy doesn't either. We yeah. were talking about that on vacation. She was like, "I why can't I can't believe you love that episode so much." But the the other one, and this is her favorite, and it's kind of tied with doodlebob for me, is Shanghai, where they end up on the Flying Dutchman's uh, ship. It's the same episode with SpongeBob going, "You're good, you're good, you're good." Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, that's. Uh, it, top-notch episode worst episode by far rock bottom can't do it Mm-mm. oh terrifying yeah, it's a tough Not one a to get through fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness gracious all right well let's actually talk about some bourbon why don't we uh we are actually saving our flying blind for later on in the episode we have a whole flight of bourbons from uh wisconsin Courtesy of Bill Robarge, also known as Beer Lovers WI or for Wisconsin on uh, Instagram. And we really appreciate him sending uh, us these samples. I'm really, really excited to get into some of these. Most of these we've not actually had. Uh, I think, you know, of the, the three that are labeled with their actual brand, I think one of them I haven't had before, and that's the the border bourbon. But I've had Driftless Glen and I've had Jay Henry before. I don't want to spoil too much before we get into it. But yeah. um, two of them got some heat too. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was I'm, just I'm, looking at the the paper that he had sent, and I oh was yeah, like, wow, yeah, that, that's got some proof points there. I am, I am really. Oh man, I wonder what I the third one is. We still got to figure that one out. Yeah, we need to look up what the, the proof on border bourbon is. So yep. um, we'll, we'll do that uh, before we get to it. We got a lot of stuff that is coming at you in this episode, uh, but we'll start out with what have we been drinking recently? So, guys, what you been drinking recently? Uh, I've been having a lot of Fighting Cock H-Stated. Interesting. Yeah, it's good. I think I need to do a comparison with the one that's on the shelf now. Is that the <clears throat> what is that? The 10 year? It's a six year. Six year. Oh, okay. I apologize. I don't know why I thought it was a 10 year. Gotcha. That'd be great. Do they have a 10 year? No, no. I actually haven't done it. I guess I could put it up against the Henry McKenna. I mean, it's roughly the same 101 or 103 proof versus 100 six year uh, versus, or I'm sorry, 10 year versus six year at that point. Yeah. Let's hmm. try right. it out. Possible. Highly possible. What about Mine, you? Yeah, I've been having uh, a lot <laughs> We've already talked about it, but uh, Larceny. Yeah, that's what we all three started drinking in the middle of the pregame chats, which I did not realize was uh, the thing that the cool kids were doing until you both said that you were drinking Larceny. Yeah. And, uh, you know, well, <laughs> some got it, some don't. Yeah, I don't know. I still have it. 
<laughs> I still had it. I got it, man. I got, I got it. Multiple, here. man. I also <laughs> found out why I answered the way I did in the pregame chats. Um, oh, yeah, he's hanging out right there. Yeah, you got, you got the Joker on the sticker. Yeah, so we'll we'll uh, we'll see. You yeah, if you if you guys uh, don't know, we also do. Uh, a pre-show pre-game chats for Patreon. You can check those out at patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast for as little as $5 a month. Uh, you also, I don't know if we've really talked about this too much on the main show, but um, we also stream or have been streaming our recording sessions as well for Patreon. Uh, and that's available for everybody. That's not just uh, a certain tier. So you can go and check that out as well. Sorry, Kurt, I interrupted you on what you've been drinking. No, that's, I mean, it was just larceny, really what i've been having i've actually been having like i've been having like a lot of uh i've been at a bunch of weddings and stuff Mm -hmm. so it's been just a lot of beer lately and i'm i'm really glad to be back at (laughs) at the bourbon world (laughs) everyone like everyone i've been talking to are like oh this craft beer is just just the best and if you've tried this well you've got to go to the stout and uh hey man you you know that people are saying like they listen to us and they think that we talk the same way too I oh mean, that, for sure that is a 100% sure. thing that i uh, the, the people hear us saying yeah but for sure but i'm glad still, to be back in the bourbon <laughs> yeah i'm hey man welcome home i suppose but you're not you're in ohio you're not in kentucky Anyway, yeah. I I am in the process of boxing up all of my bourbon to be moved out of what is eventually going to become the nursery in the house. And, and shipping it to Swan's house. I can't <laughs> can't be more excited. I that is not what's happening. It is getting transported to a different location in the house. Um where I hope that everything is okay with these bottles. I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, but I've come across a couple that I just figured it was time to kill because there wasn't enough in them to, to move <laughs> to another location. Uh, so I, I killed a Jim Beam repeal batch, uh, the last of the sample from, uh, Heaven Hill of the Parker's Heritage, Heavy Char Rye, uh, drank that with, uh, Brian and Tammy on a hangout actually last week, Brian and Tammy Branicky. Uh, it still holds up as one of my favorite things that came out last year. So I like the idea of you being like four large samples deep and looking at the fifth one going, you're, you're next. (laughs) (laughs) Just I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm taking you out. (laughs) Are you ready? (laughs) I, I, captain. Um, (laughs) The theme for the episode apparently is SpongeBob. No, I I killed an Elijah Craig. Uh, store pick as well there were a couple other ones that were peppered throughout but uh um also i i threw this poll up on our facebook group too about what your most commonly killed bottle is uh there were some interesting responses to that i was really surprised to see 1792 foolproof picks doing so well not that it's a bad product but i mean that's like it's a lot of dollars i feel i was expecting more like daily drinker kind of things you know, I'll give them this. I don't think there's been many times I've seen a foolproof pick on the shelf, and I thought, eh, I'll see it again. I mean, they're gone. That you is know? true. That is and, very true. And with Russell's and Elijah Craig, if they're on the shelf, it's like, mm, I'll wait till payday. No. If I see yeah. a 1792 foolproof pick, it's going on the credit card, and I'll I'll take the pain later. I mean, it's mm-hmm. that's just where it is. And now my credit card bill is just way too much. 
<laughs> yeah, I've got 40 1792 picks in my house, but I'm broke and I've been sent to collections. My credit is garbage. <laughs> if I get drunk enough though, I'll never have to pay it. Yeah. I also I also did a, a kind of fun stream last week too, uh, where I was trying to recreate uh, Wild Turkey Forgiven. And so Swan let me borrow his uh, bottle of Forgiven as well. So it was nice to kind of revisit this one. Um, I need to get it back to you here soon, Swan. But I, I had a lot of I had a lot of fun breaking bottles. Apparently, trying to go through and see how these blends worked and everything. I was really impressed with a a fifty fifty blend of uh, Russell's single barrel bourbon and rye. Um, I think the most consistent one turned out to be the 101 bourbon and rye. And then just like this out of left field, amazing pour was uh, between the rare breed bourbon and rye. Um, and I, I didn't proof everything down to what it actually is with forgiven. I think it was a 91 proof, uh, but I, I did, I did have a good time with it. I poured too heavy, but that's what happens when you are <laughs> known for creating the Perry pour. Yeah. I, I clocked in for a few minutes and looked at it and i was like wow man that is a full glen karen is that one of the baby ones nope i was like see ya <laughs> bye perry yeah for the best anyway uh i we are actually starting to do something a little bit different with the show i know that we've been fairly news heavy for a while here so what we're gonna do is kind of pull back uh on these more formal episodes <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> And uh, once a month, uh, and we'll wind up doing kind of a, a looser episode where we're hanging out, maybe doing a flight of something. Uh, still talking about stuff, but it doesn't have to be as serious as talking about the news or anything. So we do have a couple of things that we want to touch on news-wise today, but the majority of it is going to be uh, this interview that we've got lined up, uh, and then also uh, us doing this flight from Bill. So we'll go ahead and hop into the news. Again, it's super, super light. Uh, the big one that I wanted to talk about is how incredibly uh, successful the six millionth barrel of Buffalo Trace did uh, in raising money for charity. Over a million dollars for, for COVID-19 fundraising efforts. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. 332 nonprofit organizations. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I, I'm just, I'm blown away by how how well this did. I, apparently, it totally blew out of the water. <clears throat> the original goal of $500,000. Uh, I imagine that that's going to keep growing at some point, too. So this is cool. It, it's nice to see people putting money uh, towards good things, even during a, a difficult time. Yeah, and it's really cool that the uh, the top fundraiser, Bourbon Charity, raised $69,125. Yes. And it was all of pretty much bourbon enthusiasts. It's very So good. that's kind of cool. It's not every day that a, you know, a special bottle like this one comes around. So it's nice to see that people responded well to it and uh and made something happen there are a few releases that we're going to touch on this week as well the first of which is the uh, newest bookers that's out boston batch we talked about it some last week 
on the on the show. Uh, we're gonna try to snag a bottle so we can review it next week. I think um, it's uh, six years, three months, ten days, sixty three point two five percent. That's one hundred and twenty six point five proof. I think I nailed that. Uh, this, of course, has gone up in the MSRP category to ninety dollars. And it's apparently going to be limited. I never really considered Booker's to be a limited release. Is, is, am I skewed in my opinion of that? No, I mean, it's it's pricey. doesn't really mean it's exclusive. I can find it in almost every shop I go into. Hello, Gus. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Up. Hey, man, it, it can get edited out. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I know that uh, Chad and Sarah on his bourbon night reviewed this. Uh, they did an uncorking of it. I am really interested in doing our own review as well. Um, what do you, after last year's kind of lackluster performance from Booker's? Do you guys still feel like it's something that we should be trying to approach more? Because it's different every year. Sometimes I feel. Sometimes, it, like, they, I don't know what it is, but, like, it's just a great year of Booker's picks or, or Booker's batches. And uh, I feel like, and we always talked about last year that it was more of just, oh, well, that fell short. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's more, might be redemption year a little bit. And maybe we got some uh, good releases coming out. Did you have the, uh, the Granny's batch? I have not actually had it yet. I need to try to get a sample from somebody to, Test that out. Oh, Swan's got it. Oh, okay. oh, there you go. Cool. I've got another. I've got like another ounce of it. I can share with you. Um, it's pretty good. It's really hot on the on the um, first part of it. Like it's really ethanol heavy. The nose is really good, but it is real peanut buttery. Um, I mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I think it's a lot stronger than some of the stuff they put out last year. It remind me of the twenty eighteen oh three that I got to try. The um, Kentucky Chew. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I mean I'm I'm fine with them returning to what works. Um, it seemed a little odd to up the price after a resounding everyone just saying last year was okay. That seems sure. strange. If you had just a phenomenal flagship beer of like we put out amazing bourbon after amazing bourbon, I could see you going maybe it's worth an extra fifteen dollars. They didn't do that. Yeah, it, it it would be I mean in our scope of things like raising the price of Elijah Craig barrel proof by $20 after a ever after a lackluster year. Mm-hmm. But even still, I mean, I we'll we'll talk about it more next week uh, on our how hard it is to price and value bourbon episode. Uh, but I, I, I think that this is still, I'm still interested in trying this. I'm going to be a little bit more careful. I think in where I actually pick a bottle up from, uh, I don't think that I'm going to, you know, hop over to the the stores that are selling products at secondary prices. But uh, even still, I'm, I'm looking forward to trying this. I'm never not excited, I would say, about, you know, the opportunity to try a new Booker's. Uh, but in, in this case, you know, I feel like I've just been burned a couple of times and I need convincing to come back. Yeah. Yeah. And the upping of the price definitely gets yeah. you. Yeah. Some stores didn't get the memo on the price jump this time because I, I went to one the other day and they had it for sixty six ninety nine. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah. Sorry, I thought I was going to have to sneeze for a second. 
We are also seeing the release of the newest Michter's 10-year single barrel rye coming out uh, here in this month, really. Uh, again, 10 years old. It's a straight rye. It's going to be 90, uh, 92.8 proof. Jeez. I'm really good with this math thing, y'all. And uh, $160 is going to be another <clears throat> limited release. I, Whiskey Advocate calls it a highly sought-after bottle. Uh, and the 2019 one earned them a 93-point score. I have had Michter Single Barrel Rye, and it's been a while. It's so good, though. <laughs> it is a lot of money. It is not cheap by any means, but it's still good. I, I, I think it's something that uh, I would like to, you know, at least procure a sample of when the time comes. You did get some of the 10-year, right? I had, like, the 2018 that I got you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That stuff is so good, man. The 10-year ten, the bourbon, that's stored away somewhere, too. I don't know, quite know where it is. <laughs> it's in a box. Somewhere. It's in a box. <laughs> yeah. Put it in a box. <laughs> Put a bird on it. Um, <laughs> For me. For me. I'm the bird. You're the bird. Uh, and the last one that we're going to be talking about is the Garrison Brothers Honeydew, which is a honey-infused bourbon. Uh, going to be widely available uh, come August 2020. 90 bucks a bottle, 40% ABV, so 80 proof. Uh, this is interesting. It's become more common for us to see these honey-infused bourbons as opposed to uh, like a honey whiskey or, or something like that. Any interest in you guys in picking this one up? Um, Expensive, too. Probably not. I mean, I, I've enjoyed the ones, like, I've got to try the Bell Mead honey that they put out. Um, it was it was okay. You know, I mean, I, I get why people enjoy it. I can definitely see that being your flavor profile. Because we've even talked, like, the Booker's uh, 2018-04 had that, like, honey drip finish. And it's, that's sought after for sure. But yeah. I'm not... I'm not a big fan of it. I also don't put honey in things. Like I don't, I don't have tea with honey in it. I just don't, I just don't put honey in a lot of stuff. So I might be kind of skewed on that one. I, I think I'd be skewed as well as I'm not going to be, I've never been like a honey alcohol, like anyway, it just seems too syrup. If you're me, maybe this might be a little different, but I'm not sure. Um, it's just a little too thick usually for me, but. Perry likes honey whiskey. I, I was about that. to say, I was about to make this point that it's not that I like it. It's what I cut my teeth on when I was first starting to drink bourbon. Okay. So I could probably find some enjoyment in it. But for the most part, I, it's it's a pass for me unless I try it and it just absolutely blows my socks off, in which case. Sure. Well, that does it for the light news of the week. I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to an interview that I did with Barry Brenniger of the William Tarr Distillery, which is going to be a new company producing products here out of Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, we're going to get into the whole backstory of who William Tarr actually was and uh, everything that he did for the bourbon industry in the early days of its successes. Uh, William Tarr is a super fascinating uh, Kentucky piece of history. Uh, I encourage people to go back and try to learn a little bit about him. I'll try to uh, make sure that I share links in the description of the episode as well uh, so people can check out some history of not only the man himself, but the distillery as well. So I'm going to go ahead and throw it on over to the interview and hope you guys enjoy.
So I am super excited to welcome to the podcast, uh, I would say kind of a behind-the-scenes friend. You haven't actually been on the show before, but I, I think this is an appropriate time to to bring him on. He is one of the founders uh, of the revived William Tarr Distillery here in Lexington, Kentucky. Please welcome to the show, folks, Barry Brenniger. Bre- uh, Barry, how are you? How? Perry, I am great. Thanks so much for having me on. I, I am a fan. Um, I love listening to your podcast. And, you know, the, the bourbon community is a, a small community here in Lexington, Kentucky. And what I love about it is, you know, we we kind of we know a, a lot of us, you know, we we follow each other. And yeah, yeah. like we're instant friends when we get together and share a pour. Oh, absolutely. And I think that you and I very much hit it off. I think the first time that we met might have been Chad and Sarah's engagement party. Yes, and uh, up on the roof. Back, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I definitely felt like you and I knew basically each other from from the get-go. And so I'm, I'm happy to finally get to sit down and talk a little bit more about bourbon with you. We've not had a, a formal conversation, I would say, in a, in a setting like this before. Uh, so I want to go ahead and tell everybody what's going on here. We're going to be talking about this this. I, I want to say new, but it's not necessarily new distillery that you guys are, are bringing to the bringing to the the market. Um, you very graciously provided some samples for me to try as well. I want you to kind of be be free to walk people through the history of William Tarr because I was I was reading about the the history of the distillery and about William Tarr, uh, the the man himself, yeah. uh, who was the uh, the founder. Uh, in the late 1800s, and I am just fascinated by the the history and in the way that that distillery kind of branched off into others, and how it was kind of engulfed uh, by the, the the other distilleries around here. So I, I'm going to give you the floor to kind of open up uh, the the information spout about what uh, what William Tarr is. Absolutely. Well, Perry, thank you. Um, love the opportunity here to to talk about the William Tarr Distillery. And Absolutely. you know, the William Tarr Distillery was a part of the first federal registered distillery in Lexington, Kentucky, and and it was actually founded in 1865 by Ashland, the the Ashland Distillery, and and that was um, Turner Clay and and company who who formed that in 1865, and the federal government at that time was looking to get tax revenue, and so you know everybody's got a still in their backyard, and and what they wanted to do is they wanted to register distilleries. And so in in the um, in the state of Kentucky it was divided up into five regions. So each region had an RD1, an RD2, an RD3 and so on. Um, that's since been replaced with um, a dis- DSP distilled spirits plant. Right. And so, you know, the it but back in the day it was it was registered distillery. And so um, when the Ashland distillery came out in 1865, um, there was a um, Lexington businessman, William Tarr, who um, who bought the distillery in 1871, and and William Tarr was uh, just a, a terrific businessman. He he, he um, was into agriculture and really turned that around for his family, and and uh, he was also into railroads. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. That was kind of the the his demise, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he um he 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 brought out products. He kept the Ashland label. Um, he brought out an, an old tar product and uh, he brought out the um, the old elk um, and uh, Bell of Marion. I mean, there, there was probably 
um, about 12 different labels that, you know, some have been reclaimed, but some haven't. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to resurrect the um, that RD1, that registered distillery number one in Lexington. And um, we sat around a table and we we thought about the different names of, of what it should be. And, and you can imagine um, reviving the name Ashland might be a little problematic in a couple of different areas, but our, our trademark attorney said it probably wasn't. And he was, he was actually surprised that we landed on William Tarr Distillery, but you know, it, it, I love it. You know, we're, we're telling yeah. the story of this man, you know, we're, we recreated an, an image of what we believe William Tarr looks like. And uh, he, he looks like a gentleman, looks like a banker, looks like he's a pretty savvy businessman, but you know, sure. what he did back then in, in 1871 is he um, continued to create very good bourbon and, and whiskey. And um, he had wonderful products that he put out there that, um, th- that you know, everyone loved. He, he worked, um, uh, the, the distilleries back then, they, you know, some worked really well together, some didn't, but um, there was a lot of things going on, a lot of um, changing of hands of the distillery. And, and um, you know, the, uh, the RD1 um, was also a part of that. And, um, you know, I mentioned that um, uh, William Tarr, invested heavily into the railroad industry and you know because he he really he, he was you know such a great businessman but unfortunately there was a lot of um he was leveraged pretty heavily and he convinced a lot of his friends and family to invest too and and he um you know so he he covered their short and and that's what really did him in is that um you know he was a man of his word and and unfortunately he um he had to sell the distillery at, at a significant financial loss to himself. And um, unfortunately, that was the downfall. But, you know, there's such a rich history of um, labels that came out of that brand. And, um, you know, the Manchester Street was just uh, lined with rickhouses. And, um, you know, back then yeah. they were storing, you know, hundreds of thousands of barrels. And, you know, while we'll never see that in Lexington again, um, what we do see is, you know, there's there's a history there. And, you know, we're a little bit different than some of the um, other distilleries that have come out. I mean, we're we're a craft distillery. You know, we're we're looking, um, you know, at, at acquiring um, enough new fill. So some contract distilling to, to make sure that we're able to support our labels. You know, right now uh, it, it, it's a great story. Our problem is we just need more bourbon. You know, we just need more whiskey <laughs> and, and, and we're working on that. We've um, you know, we've got uh, some consultants that are just super good and um, fantastic. It, it, well, and you need that, you know, we've yeah. surrounded ourselves with people that are really good in, in areas that matter most. And our, um, our bourbon consultant, we have two, one is a 35 year beam oper- global operations person. And so he, wow. he knows the industry. So he's been I'm able kidding, yeah. to, yeah, he's been able to um, help um, acquire and, and make inroads in areas that we never would have. And so, uh, due to that fact, we, um, you know, we're, we're going to be releasing um, two labels back to back. And um, I'm excited to to share these with you. We can talk about it. And, you know, mm-hmm. some things, you know, obviously I can't divulge. Um, oh, uh, sure, 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 sure. But, but um, you know, certainly we, we, our intention is to um, at least initially just use Kentucky distilleries and, um, and, and bring a product out that's just Kentucky. But um, I think you and I both know that um, there's some really good 
bourbon and whiskey outside of the state of Kentucky. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, it's interesting. We we have this uh, this conversation kind of lined up for the podcast as well uh, about how the main contract distilling company seems to have kind of shifted. There seems to be a paradigm sh- a paradigm shift rather uh, at this moment. You're you're seeing less uh, coming from MGP. You're starting to see more coming out of uh, uh, out of Dickel. Uh, down in Tennessee, uh, Bardstown Bourbon Company is up and coming in that regard as well. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, there there are definitely different places to to be able to source that from. But I think it's really important in this uh, in this case to be pulling from uh, Kentucky to to get the the brand back on the ground. So, I want to talk about one of these specific releases, um, the Manchester Reserve from the distillery, uh, 114 proof. I believe you said in our, uh, our chat back and forth that this was a seven year blend. Yes, that's correct. So it, it's a, we've got an eight year rye and a seven year bourbon. And, um, those are, those are blended together. And I, I just love the, the, um, the, the experience here. And I, I think, um, you know, I hope you're going to like it too, but, um, I'm super excited. This is going to be, um, so the Manchester reserve is going to be our, um, our one that's going to be on the shelf for uh, at least a year to a year and a half. Uh, we've got that much inventory. If we sell out, you know, that's, that's great. Um, we do have some other age spirits that, um, are, you know, right? They're going to turn four years here at the end of the year. So we will have some additional product that we can go ahead and, and, and bottle and, and put on the shelf if sales are brisk, which we hope, but um, you know, we're, we're obviously not going to, we're going to put this out just into the Kentucky area at this point. So you'll be able to find it on shelves um, in Lexington, Louisville, Northern Kentucky. Um, mm-hmm. We're fortunate that we've got a distributor already, you know, due to the strong relationship of our major investor, Mark Stoops, Coach Stoops, um, has <laughs> with um, Republic. And, and so we, you know, you, you typically don't get picked up by um, a major distributor early on as a, as a craft distillery. But, um, you know, we, we were fortunate that Mark has such a strong relationship with, um, with Republic that they signed us up. And, you know, so now we've got a, you know, a sales team of a hundred and some odd salespeople that we're going to pump up and, and get excited about the brand. And so I I think what you'll see is you'll see a lot of movement, um, at least initially when we launch, um, by the end of August. Hey, Barry, hold on just one second. I need to take care of something real quick. Okay. Sorry about that. No worries. So I I, I did take a, a sip of the of the, the Manchester Reserve. I will say that the the rye whiskey and the blend definitely comes through uh much more so than than the bourbon it is a spice bomb uh up front and uh it it really is packing that 114 proof uh heat behind it as well how how many different kind of iterations did you all go through in your blending and your crafting process for this product we're, we're still going through those. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, I, I'm, you, you had mentioned, I think on your, um, your latest podcast that, you know, I'm with the Lexington bourbon society and, you know, a lot yes. of folks that are, are, are 
love bourbon. They they love to drink it at proof, and and then they want to proof it down. And so what I wanted to do is this first release. I wanted to to have a, a high proof. I, I didn't I didn't want to proof it down to flavor um, because I've got a lot more of this left. And, and so what what I'd like to do is I'd like to continue to to um, to hit that perfect mark, and um, I, I do believe that that perfect mark is going to be um, south um, somewhere in the um, the hundred to one hundred and five range, maybe even lower than that. So, yeah, I, I just because my um, you know my palate is, I, I love the um, you know the higher proof. I, I just felt Absolutely. like. You know, a lot of a lot of the I think I would have taken some a little bit of flack uh, from the uh, from the local bourbon folks that said, you know, come on, Barry, why, why didn't you bring out a higher proof on this? Um, so <laughs> we, we've done several um, iterations. Um, what I would like to do is I'd like to bring in some bourbon stewards and, and, and just, um, you know, continue to do a focus group. And, and, and again, work through it. But um, yeah, this one, this one's kind of a nod to um, LBS. And I'm also a, a, a um, charter member of the um, Kentucky Black Bourbon Guild. And, you know, so we what I love about these bourbon groups is they they enjoy education, they, they enjoy drinking and they enjoy social events. And so that's what, what a great way to get together and, and learn about America's native spirit. Most definitely, too. And, and I love the fact, too, that this is happening in the heart of Kentucky, this is happening right smack dab in the middle of of the Bourbon Trail, of the the, the place that people go to uh, to really start to experience America's native spirit. and And I'm excited to see where you guys are going in terms of uh, the growth of the distillery, how it's going to uh, be raised up uh, here fairly soon. Talk about the construction process behind the, uh, the new distillery grounds as well, because what, what's interesting to me, um, not only are you guys working towards this, but you're also working towards it on the exact same space. Well, not the exact same space, but in, in a fairly localized space that the original William Tara distillery was the original, uh, Ashland distillery was. So what, what's that looking like for you all right now? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And, you know, I think we should preface this with we started in January and then, um, you know, a, a global pandemic broke out. And, and so it, it to, to say that we're nimble and, and we've adjusted frequently to the market um, would be an understatement because we've had to really look and see how things are progressing. And, and you know, we don't have access to local city government. We, we you know, so we we did have some areas where we had to readjust and, and look and see where, where did we want to end up. And so as you had um, mentioned, the uh, the original bonded warehouse number one is Manchester Music Hall. So that, mm-hmm. that that's the original building. And so it would be so nice to um, to work with the uh, current owners there to, to convert that into a distillery. And we're just not able to make that happen. You know, we're, um, we're, we're, we were just at, at odds from the standpoint of we, we just weren't, it's bad timing. And, and so unfortunately, um, and well, I should say, fortunately for us, we have options. And so in those options, we've, um, we've talked to, the owner of the Pepper Rickhouse down the road in the yes. distillery district. And so if, if, you know, most of the folks local to Lexington know that the, the barrel house distilleries down there, um, 
James Pepper, 1776 is down there, and a couple of breweries. So we're going to be in Suite 190 of the the Pepper Rickhouse. So as you're going down Manchester toward the distillery district, it's that first suite um, on the on the ground floor. And so we're we're super excited. We our stills already there. Um, we're we're you know doing fit up things now. Um, it, it's going to take us a, a while to to get our our still there, but um, we anticipate having an NQ2 bar um, and, you know, a gift shop and, and just a, a fun um, walk-up experience, similar to what you would see up in the, um, up in Louisville with the Urban Bourbon Trail. You know how many mm-hmm. of the distilleries have gift shops uh, located up there. We anticipate this will always be there. Th- this, this will be our, um, our idea of what the um, uh, Louisville's um, gift shop bourbon trail looks like in the uh, pepper rick house so you know even wherever we land on and and, and here's the thing we're still in a, a global pandemic things are are continuing to evolve and so my background is I, i'm a i'm a business guy I, I do digital marketing um and so i came at this from the standpoint of looking at it as a, as a viable business, you know, my experience when I was on the board of the Lexington Bourbon Society is I, and, and anybody that's a member really gets to know the um, industry folks. They, they get to know the brand ambassadors. They get to know the master distillers and, and talk to them. And, 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 you know, the distilleries love these clubs because we're, we're their ambassadors. You know, we're the ones that are soaking up all this information and then we're going out and telling other people about it. And so the, what that experience, um, helped launch me into was we could do this. We just need to have the right people to, to bring back a brand like the William Tarr distillery. And so we just surrounded ourselves with really good people, really good, um, operational people, marketing people we we have um you know we have industry insiders that are managing the supply chain for us so we're not reinventing we're not learning this we're being taught this by professionals and so if you think about that we um we have the ability to right now we don't have a ton of product that's sitting on a shelf that um folks aren't able to get to and um i think there's a couple of things that happened in early this year one was i think it's senate bill 281 or senate bill mm-hmm. 99 those um talked about production levels for craft distilleries and and so what what one of those um um bills did was they they made a production amount increase so every craft distillery has to produce at least 50 gallons a month rather than producing one day out of a calendar year so so what that made us look at is that we have to make sure that we get enough of a production capacity to not have to worry about that one a lot of times when craft distilleries come to market they 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 you know just bring this really small ornamental still and and they um, do contract distilling and that's a great thing you know because you got to have product to sell before you start putting down your own of um so so we knew pretty quickly that we had to have a solution that was going to get us to a production level. However, um, the other issue there is that we don't want to go into debt. You know, we don't want to go into Mm 
the debt of building a production seal. It's just not the right time. And so, so we're, we're comfortable where we are um, as a craft distiller that is looking to forge partnerships with Kentucky distilleries. And I, I can tell you, you from this side of it, um, everybody's been super friendly. They're, they've been very helpful, you know, when they can. The problem that we've got even now is that there's just not enough rickhouses. We, we're producing so sure. much, you know, in, in so many barrels that we we've reached a point there's there's rick houses going up now in, in bardstown in midway and um i think in um, frankfurt so there's there's a lot more of housing capacity that is out there and we need that because there's um just so much more production that has no place to be stored um until we build those what's that look for uh, look like for you rather on a on a financial side um, because you were talking about, you know, you didn't want to, of course, uh, go into debt. You didn't want to go bankrupt through all of this. But um, not only are you, you know, putting forth the the, the funds to actually uh, produce this, but you are also paying for the the space in rickhouses, correct? Yes. Yeah. So anytime that, you know, you do. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've learned a lot in, in a, you know, several months, you know, but one thing that I've learned is that the there's these bur- bourbon brokers and, and, and these there's these yes. entities that are laying down new fill. And so they, they are buying up production schedules. And so when when that happens, then they go into the rickhouses of the distillery that um, that have put that down for them, and so you know you, you're you're paying a little bit more for a barrel. You're you're paying for storage. So per barrel, you're you're paying you know a fee for them to store that. And then of course there's insurance. You you have to make sure that you're you're insuring your product because you know accidents can happen, and um, and you want to safeguard that. So it's it's expensive. It's more expensive to um, go this route from the standpoint of of getting that product. But it also, um, you know, we're not going into debt building the uh, the DSP and exactly and, and hiring people. Mm-hmm. That was that that was kind of the uh, the conclusion that I was coming to as you were speaking, and I was like, oh well, there you go. That makes uh, that makes logical sense in in this day and age. Uh, so let's uh, move on to the inheritance twelve year. Well, before, before we move on, let, let me let sure, me sure. One, one more thing about that is that when you look at a um, where 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 the value is on on barrels of, of bourbon and and whiskey is from new fill to year four and and you know so most people may know this but that um, that investment increases about fifty percent every year you know so at the mm-hmm. end of four years you've got an investment there that is is valuable and, and, and can be bottled. And when, when it goes into the bottle, it's even more valuable, you know, because we're, we're able to sell that at retail. So there is a significant market there. Even if you, um, you know, you, you never want to get into a production capacity, there's value in contract distilling. Oh, for sure. And I, I think that, uh, you know, kind of what we were talking about a little bit before, it, it's becoming more and more apparent that that's a uh, that's definitely a, a more up and coming market during this time, uh, but we are seeing people making great strides in uh, in actually contracting out for for others who aren't able to produce their own product uh, at, at this day and age. Uh, so anyway, yeah, um, I, I definitely want to talk about this uh, inheritance uh, release as well. Um, I actually had a sip of it while we were uh, while we were chatting. It is, and I don't like using this word. 
it's smooth, man. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, um, it's so funny because, and I'll I'll tell you a little story about that um, in just a little Please. bit. Here, but did you um, did you try the small batch or did you try the um, the the um, single barrel? Oh, I tried the small batch first. I wanted to see okay. what that was before, and I'm kind of uh, working my way up in proof as well. Yeah, and and let's let's make sure to compare them back and forth. You know, let's um, you know, For, yeah, absolutely. And and then the so so the inheritance. Um, we um, we call this the inheritance because we really do feel like we've inherited this brand. You know, we're 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 fortunate that that brand was available, and um, you know the how we came about getting these um, twelve year barrels is is an interesting story that you know we'll, we'll probably talk about it face to face, but um, it it is an interesting <laughs> story. But um, what I what I love about it is that we um, when we did our our initial pitch to investors, um, the when when anybody would taste this, the, you know, and these are not bourbon um, bourbon stewards. These are not folks that are, um, you know, uh, to to the level of of a Perry Ritter. The the, the <laughs> thing that consistently came out of their mouth was oh, so smooth, <laughs> and it is. <laughs> You you flatter me, and I I definitely um, you know I, I had to go back for another sip so I could actually express what I was uh, what I was considering to be smooth, and it's really it's got a very delicate sweetness to it, and it starts in the um, it starts really in this kind of and 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 this is the the best way that I can usually approximate flavors uh, like apple cinnamon Cheerios. Uh, interestingly enough, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's definitely got a cinnamon bite to it uh, up front, but it kind of evolves into, and again, I'm equating it to food, a chocolate glazed donut. And it just, it lingers on that, on the sugariness, the sweetness. Uh, and it's, it's definitely, I, I think that, you know, having had uh, the kind of spice bomb that was the, the reserve, excuse me, Right before that, um, I'm probably seeing some of the contrast between the two. So I, I might have to take a sip of water so I can uh, make sure I'm not missing out on anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think that um, even even if you're not a, a person who um, drinks barrel cask or, or, or high proof bourbons, um, you you can get by with this one. Now, now there is you can tell the proof, you know, with me, I can I can differentiate the difference mm-hmm. I mean, something that's hot, but something that is higher proof, there's a, there's a whole different mouthfeel that you get with that. And, um, you know, so what I get is I, I get, I get a, a lot of that, you know, that burnt, um, kind of, um, creme brulee for me Absolutely. Is, is, is what I'm getting, but, but it, it finishes with some of these, um, complex spicy notes, which is weird because, um, if you, you know, know the mash bill, it, um, it, it doesn't have as much of the, uh, of, of the rye content, obviously as the um as the blend the manchester reserve blend sure yeah and i definitely i i haven't had a chance to try out the single barrel yet either i uh, this is 122.9 proof it is also 12 years old though um this is this is exciting i like getting these little behind the scenes peeks at uh, at distilleries and their products I think the spices definitely come back through on the nose uh, with the, mm-hmm. the single barrel. I would say. Yep. I, um, we um, what, what we found is when we looked at the blend, we we did mute a lot of that spice um, 
So when you go back and forth to the single barrel, and I should say that we have um, we have fifteen hundred bottles uh, of of the inheritance, and um, we have four single barrels, and then we blended the rest of of, of those um, uh, the 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 bottles. Uh, to 120 proof, but I'm I'm super excited about the um, the single barrels uh, because you know it, each one is just a little bit different. But um, you know you could we we picked obviously the very best ones, but um, but I'm I'm super excited to uh, to to release both a single barrel and a small batch in the 12 uh, year. Yeah, absolutely. This is a huge difference from the one prior. Wow, isn't that, that incredible? Is- Mm-hmm. That is really quite good. Uh, it is viscous. It has got a an incredible depth of flavor. I mean, it, it definitely starts out with a uh, um, kind of a, a carrot cake, cream cheese flavor mm-hmm. to it on top as it starts to work its way down into some of the spices. But that is just extremely interesting. And I yep. mean that in the best of ways. That's not a cop out by any means. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I, I I loved it. You know, we we were really. I was hoping to get more single barrels, but you know, these four were the ones that that really shined and um, and and had the notes that we really felt um, people would latch onto. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that is delicious. It's it, it's making me salivate a little bit too. <laughs> go ahead go ahead (laughs) (laughs) go ahead barry (laughs) all right so i'll I'll tell you delicious um i did a i did a podcast and and i had abe owen with horse and barrel tours in here Uh and and we were talking about he he's got this red door bourbon club that he's trying to open and you know unfortunately now is not the time to open up a club it it, i mean we're lots of uncertainty but he was trying to do it virtually and 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 i think it's still going to happen but um we we were tasting this 12 year and i brought a i brought a a flask of it and so you know i'm i'm we're we're tasting it and 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 delicious that I, i bet i said delicious in that podcast maybe 25 times and i listened to it a couple of times and i, I sent my editor a message i said I, i'm so sorry you're gonna have to edit out you know about four fifths of every delicious that i said and he's like well you're gonna have to market for me or i'm gonna bill you extra so i'm marked for <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> well i'll try i'll try to keep the deliciouses to a minimum for you but i i think that that's a really good I, uh, indication of, of what this, this product is. I want to, I want to talk to, um, a little bit, uh, kind of about not, we've, we've touched on it a hair, but I, I want to get a little bit more into it about the inspiration behind bringing back, um, a, a brand like William Tarr. And I think that, you know, that we're definitely in the age where people are bringing back brands of whiskeys, uh, that they they either had some kind of connection to, or you know, there's always that old adage of, well, this was the recipe that I found in my granddaddy's basement, and mm-hmm. I'm making the the product the same way that he used to. And you know, you, you're not doing that with this one. You're uh, adopting the brand and and you're reviving it and and really honoring it in this way. So, what what was some of the inspiration behind? Um, William Tarr being the face of this uh, this revival brand. 
Yeah, and and I'm going to come back also to to talk about the you know being true to the um to the roots and and true to the original sure. um uh, recipe. Uh, but I'll come back to that. The um when we when we got together, um Jill Bacorn who owns 903 Venues, which is the Grand Reserve, which is right next to the Manchester Music Hall. Um, and, and then she has the Speakeasy. She also owns Bluegrass Catering, and so she for the last 14, 15 years has been soaking up all the history of the Manchester Music Hall, what that represented. And so, you know, in the back of her mind, she's always thinking, gosh, I'd really love to resurrect that brand and, and bring that back to market. And so, you know, a bourbon guy that's a marketer that comes across her and, and starts talking with her and, and working with her and with her marketing, um, you know, we kind of get, get our heads together and I'm like, oh yeah, we can definitely do this. Let's, uh, let's look at the brand. So, you know, we looked at it from, and we're talking about, you know, 60 years of history there sure. with the distillery. So you, you gotta, you know, looking at it from that perspective, there's so many layers that we're going to be able to uncover. And so it it's, I have to give her props and credit that she is, she's really the brainchild of, I want to bring this back. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give myself a little bit of credit for jumping on an opportunity. <laughs> As you as you should, for sure. yeah, definitely, definitely. So you know when when you think about bringing a product to market with that much history, you really have to zone in on on you know a, a point and 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 start the brand. You know, so we 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 had to land on a name and start the brand from there. And um, I don't know if you've seen any of the the label reveal that we did last um last Wednesday yeah but, mm-hmm. uh, you know we revealed the labels and and so we have a um a replication of what we believe William Tarr would have looked like and and so I mean we looked at family members there's no photos out there of William Tarr I can't believe it there's photos of his wife there's photos of his kids <laughs> he must have been camera shy but uh, but so we looked at the traits and and we um we brought on uh, Jeff Ruth who is an incredible um artist designer and he um he reached out to um a contractor to that was a graphic design artist and did a replica of what um we believe William Tarr would look like just based on you know historical data and it's a it's a he's a very nice looking gentleman who you know like I said looks like a banker looks like a a businessman and uh, you know looks like a successful one and and so we're bringing out old William Tarr um, to the market. And um, our, our first two releases are, you know, the inheritance is, is like, you know, while we, we feel privileged and honored to be able to resurrect this distillery, um, we do have a logo that is the RD1, you know, because we wanted to, we wanted to make sure everyone knew that, you know, there, there was a significant history with the, every distillery that owned the, um, that, that brand, that label, um, was able to claim that they were RD1. And so we, we felt strongly that we wanted to bring that back with it. And if you look at the Ashland distillery, they have a, um, they have an ash tree that is, um, a part of their label. And, and so we, um, we took the bold step of, of replicating a, an oak tree because, you know, (laughs) oak and, and, and the barrels, it made sense. And, you know, we wanted to, while we wanted to stay true to the, as many of the labels as we could, we also recognize the importance of oak. We recognize the importance of, of having a story and, and, you know, having the privilege of being able to retell that. So the difference, you know, I think you can see with, um, with where we are is we're coming to the market 
market. And we just have to, um, we just have to tell the story to people so that they can dissect it. And, and so the important thing is landing on a point and then making that crystal clear of, of who William Tarr was and is, and then bringing out those labels. And so when, um, when we first started, I had met with a couple of local, um, bourbon folks and, you know, was just talking with them about what I was looking to acquire. And, um, you know, I was actually looking to acquire a, a bottle of, of the original spirit. And, um, I was, I was really lucky. Um, so the very next day after I met with this, um, this broker person called me up and said, you're not going to believe this, but I found you a sealed pint bottle of old. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. So that's incredible. It was barreled in 1917 before prohibition and it was bottled in 1932. So, Oh my gosh, it's still sealed. So now what I need to do, and I, I'm going to be on the panel, um, but I need really good um, people that have, um, you know, are expert tasters, and and we're gonna we're gonna open that bottle, and we're gonna try to figure out as close as possible what kind of mash bill, because you you can't, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of analysis that you're going to be able to do to to um, to to get the things that we need, you know, we're not going to be able to know the yeast strain, um, but we can probably pick out the, um, you know a part of the mash bill. So unfortunately this is a whiskey. It's not the uh, bourbon. They, they did come out with old tar bottled in bond whiskey and, and bottled in bond bourbon. And so, so this was, this was the whiskey hundred proof and we are going to try to lay that mash bill down. And so what we would like to do, the, the label here is old WM tar. We're hoping to come out and do a throwback replica of old tar. That's fantastic. I mean, <laughs> I got I got chills a little bit listening to that. I mean, just the fact that you were able to acquire uh, a bottle uh, that he would have he would have actually produced uh, during it's his crazy. tenure. Um, yeah, that it, is it's crazy. it's absolutely wild. Um, it, for sure, though. I mean, I would uh, when when that uh, that tasting panel happens, be sure to reach out to to Wilderness Trail. They've got such a great team of. Uh, of folks who can help break down some of the, the actual chemical side of it. Um, yep. they, they, they might be able to actually help you out there and get a little bit more specific too. We had reached out to, um, to, to those guys and, um, it was, it was in late January, early February. And they're like, yeah, we're, we're busy. You know, we're traveling, we're, you know, we're getting ready to launch a, a you know, another release, another bottle and, and, um, we're going to Ted talks and, 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 but we'll get back to you. And, um, then we COVID hit and <laughs> not, not been able to follow up, but absolutely a firm solution is a, a global yes. company that, um, located in Danville, Kentucky wilderness trail distillery. They, they do some amazing stuff. So there is the possibility that we can get more information than just, um, tasting notes, but those tasting notes are going to be really critical. Um, Oh, absolutely. For, for, for the, uh, for the mash bill. You'll have to you'll have to call up Fred Minnick and uh, Marianne Eves as well to <laughs> to break yeah. that down for you. I, I would I so would love I, that. I, I have a question too about the the label. We were talking a little bit about this uh, this label earlier. There there's something specifically that caught my eye, and I I, I wonder if there was any any worry uh, in in including this. Pure Kentucky blended whiskey. 
Yeah, um, there, there, let me let me give you let me give you an update there because um, we we just submitted the cola and um, uh-huh. and so the uh, the before we submitted it our um, you know our contract bottler said this probably is not going to pass because you can't use pure in a in a product um, like like this and so we've already taken that off we've uh, we've mm-hmm. removed that yeah. Uh, um, we have so we have really good creative folks that that are helping us, you know, with the label and and with the wording. But um, you know, this is kind of our our first pass, and so I we're we're going to have some changes on that label. But that's going to be one that's one word we're going to have to change. <laughs> Kentucky straight blended whiskey. I think people might uh, be a little bit more uh, on board with that. I'm not entirely sure, but I for for me, it's the the blended aspect. And, and it's no no knock on you all by any means, but I imagine that um, the market itself, you know, we, we have folks who um, say, you know, they would rather have just straight bourbon or straight rye. But, you know, when, when you talk about blended, people kind of turn their nose up a little bit. They think, well, that's not what, you know, Kentucky straight bourbon is, but it is something that is very common in the bourbon industry because you're not taking a single barrel of turkey 101 uh, and putting it out you're blending it with other barrels and and you know kind of the layman might not understand that as much was there anything that kept you uh from from putting blended whiskey on this label were you concerned about it at all you know i'll I'll bet a year two years from now we'll we'll look back and think what were we thinking um (laughs) putting that on a label and uh you know i'll I'll chalk some of it up to just being a a little bit new to the uh to to the industry and um and and then you know wanting to come out with a with a label that that was appropriate and 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 stood out on the shelf you know so we want something that when when you're 15 feet away you're going to be able to identify the label the bottle you know, some some labels, when you look at you, you have to be, you know, a couple of feet away to, to identify, you know, what, what kind of bottle, what what's the um, the artwork on there. But what we what we believe with this label is that it's going to have eye appeal at 15 feet and at, at one foot. So, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, some of the wordsmithing, we're going to get a whole lot better, I, I do believe, as we continue to, to gain more knowledge and insight. So I'll, I'll chalk that one up to, you know, some of the wordsmithing. We're, uh, we're, we're excited about it. And, you know, we're, we're, you know, definitely looking forward to jumping into the deep end. But, you know, we, we do recognize we're probably going to we're probably going to take it on the chin on, on a couple of um, areas there. But but, you know, sure. how much fun is that? You know, how much fun is it to be able to bring a product to market and, um, you know, see it uh, um, hopefully be successful? Yeah, and I, I definitely um, <clears throat> excuse me, let me start that over. <coughs> Sorry, I guess I'm got caught in my throat. Um, <laughs> no, it, I, I'm definitely excited to see how that's going to uh, evolve for you all as well, it's especially considering how how varied and, and really quite tasty all three of these products are, um, from the, the blend all the way up to the single barrel. Um, th- this is exciting times for you, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing where you guys kind of move forward uh, with, with the brand. Is there anything else that you would like folks to know about, uh, William Tarr before we, uh, kind of wrap this up? Well, I, you know, I think that, um, would love for everybody to, um, to go check us out on, uh, online. You know, we've got, um, 
we're on all the uh, all, all the right channels: um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, we uh, our, our website. You're able to pre-order. Um, we we're not quite ready to to take um, financial information. Um, we've got to jump through a couple more hoops before we do that. But you can you can pre-order, and um, and then once we uh, once we dot all the I's and cross the T's, we'll be able to come back and and let you know when uh, when curbside pickup, uh, depending on if if we're at that point or you know come into the gift shop and and pick up a bottle. Um, once we uh, once we get those on the shelves, so but we we appreciate we love the Lexington community and you know the the, the bourbon community as a whole and you know we want to be a partner um, for Kentucky tourism you know we want to be a destination location as well as all the other Lexington distilleries and breweries you know we want to be a good partner and and good neighbor and and make sure that you know as as we market we're gonna not only market ourselves but we're gonna market Lexington as a as a destination location on the Bourbon Trail. Um, with yet, yet another opportunity to come and, and visit a resurrected um, vintage um, bourbon brand. Barry, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure getting to chat with you. Everybody, be sure to go check out the Williams Hard Distillery and all their products that are going to be dropping over the next couple of months. Thanks, Perry. I appreciate it. No problem, man. Thank you. All right. Take care. My thanks again to Barry coming on and letting me try some of these awesome products from the uh, – from the Williams Hard Distillery, and I look forward to seeing where their where their future lies. And it's going to be cool. It's going to be really cool. All righty, you guys ready to get into these Wisconsin bourbons? Before we do, can I propose something with this? Of course. All right. So two of these are from Otto's uh, Wine and Spirit. I'm not sure what it is, but it's an Otto's store pick. Mm-hmm. It's spelled O T T O. I want to see. When people do multiple picks like this, do they lean towards a flavor profile, like similar notes between the two? I kind of want to do a little bit of a comparison between the Driftless Glen and the J. Henry and Sons. Sure. Do so um, you want to start with the Border Bourbon then? Sure. Yeah, that'd be fine. Um, I, I just want to see, uh, you know, maybe they got a flavor profile they're shooting for. Because I've never done a pick personally. We might be doing one uh, later, but um, I'd be interested to see if there's something that somebody picks out as their target. Is that the first time that we've teased that in the public space? I don't think so. I think Maybe. It might be. You can cut it out. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. I just you, more info on that later. That's all I'm gonna all I'm gonna say for now. So Border Bourbon uh, is produced by the 45th Parallel Distillery. And uh, according to their website, they are currently releasing whiskey at four years of age <clears throat> using traditional aging techniques and medium char in Ozark white oak barrels. The barrels are constructed from wood staves that are air dried for three years. And they, they have the, the proof listed on the bottle is 92.3. I don't know if that's uh, consistent or exactly what we have in this uh, in this sample. But I am looking forward to getting into this. Once again, I want to say thank you to uh, Bill Robarge. Uh, from Beer Lovers Wisconsin, Beer Lovers WI on Instagram uh, for sending us these these uh, samples. <clears throat> we always appreciate when listeners send in samples for us to try on the show. If you would like to do that as well, please get in contact with us at my bourbon pod on social media. And you can also send us an email to this is my bourbon shop at gmail.com. And like I said, we appreciate everybody. So border bourbon, 92.3 proof, four years old. 
It's a little light in color. That's what I noticed as well. Yeah. It's a little light in in the nose, I feel, too. Department. Yeah. It's, an, it's a sweet nose, though. I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't want to say there's nothing. I'm definitely getting more of a sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting more of like a sweet, uh, kind of like a corn. It kind of reminds me of like that. You guys open that tin of uh, the corn, like the popcorn that you get at Christmas. And it's got like all oh, three yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a lot going on. It's a little hard to pick it up, but there's like an underlying like, oh, there's definitely caramel corn in there. Yeah, there like the caramel corn with like the uh, it's like the three, the variety pack of them. It absolutely is. Yeah, there's there is a savory note that's hanging around there as well. I'm also picking up just the slightest tinge of mint. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. It's, okay. it's, it's really kind of layered in there, but it is present nonetheless. Does this one have a mash bill? Did you did that get mentioned in that? It did not get mentioned in the letter from Bill. It also did not get mentioned on their website. Um, I'm definitely leaning towards this being a higher high or a higher rye bourbon. Yeah, I'm getting some, would, some rye in that. Yeah, that's what I was. I would anticipate that as well. I do like the nose quite a bit. I will say, hmm. definitely get more of the rye on Ooh. the mm-hmm. from a palate. That nose and that palate are very different. Oh, what is that sweet note? Are you guys getting like a fruit punch sweet note on the finish? Yeah, that is really interesting. I'm trying to get. I'm not getting that yet. Tastes like cantaloupe. Thank you. Okay. That's yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. When you said what the fruit that? punch, it seemed like a little too strong. Yeah. You know, like cantaloupe is more subtle. No. Yeah. I like this. I feel like the malt, the like content's a little higher. It's got I think some so too. Weird stuff going on there, which I'm not mad about. Some of the, my favorite stuff that's come out recently has actually had a slightly higher malt content. Like, look at the old Forester rye. True. That is I very true. Yeah. Um, it's even kind of reminiscent of this. It almost reminds me of some of the Brown Foreman products that I've enjoyed, but at a lower proof, because usually the Brown Foreman products kind of have to hurt me a little bit before I'm like, this is good. This is not super high proof, and I enjoy it. Yeah. So Bill also gave us a little bit more information about this. He said they distill multiple products and also contract distill. Outside of Border Bourbon, uh, they also have a new Richmond rye uh, and a Wisconsin wheat whiskey. Rumor has it that they produce the distillate for J. Henry's five-year small batch. Not sure about the other variations. We do have a J. Henry product that we are going to get into. I have actually never tried J. Henry on the show before. I've been fortunate enough uh, to hang out with Liz and her son Joe at a um, whiskey weekend. I've got whiskey weekend on my shirt. And I was like, what's the name of the thing that I went to that I had so much fun at. Um, but anyway, it, it, they're, they're really cool people. I'm excited to get into these, uh, into this product with you guys as well. Yeah. Right. But definitely uh, the higher malt, definitely getting that. I went back on the nose on this and I'm getting more of a savory note now. Mm-hmm. I totally see that. This one's a good one to chew on. 
Yeah. You wouldn't think so, but like it's got layers. And it just it keeps coming up with new notes. Mm. It's so different. I mean, it is so interesting and different from anything I've had recently. Yeah. I I actually enjoy the fact that they bottled it at this proof. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of incentive to just put it out as cash strength as you can get it. And that's generally how I enjoy stuff. But as a person that's kind of a proof hound, I actually like it right where it's at. Yeah. I, I think that it's easily drinkable. Um, I don't know what the, the price is on this, but it certainly seems like uh, at the at the proof and really at the age, uh, I, I would expect for it to be more affordable. But at the same time, we've got distilleries who are putting out young stuff that is totally out of out of their <laughs> price range in, in terms of what they should be yeah. doing. So out of their league <laughs> way, way so. So um, I, I don't know. I think that was a, a really solid start for us. Bill, I apologize that we're kind of going out of order, but I liked Swan's idea. <laughs> Yeah, I was happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and pour up the uh, the Jay Henry and the Driftless Glen as well, if you guys would like to join. All right, I've already got mine going. It's, I'm ready to go. Listen. Ooh, look at you. Someone in our, our uh, questions we asked asked if we could drink tonight. It was mm-hmm. me. I'm going to spoil it. I asked if we could drink tonight. I'm ready. I got You're three Sean bottles. Thomas Moore? You're CN? CM Ray, that's me. I got them all. I got them all poured, man. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, we're we're definitely gonna have to the the last call post game chats are gonna be fun too. <laughs> Just yeah. save your files this time, Swan, please. <laughs> oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, Swan. <laughs> Jeez, who messes up like that? <laughs> all right. No comment. All right. Not me. Not me, right? <laughs> Definitely didn't happen to me at one point, too. So <laughs> we're three for three, three for three in that case. Uh, so I have got the J. Henry on my left and I've got the uh, Driftless Glen on my right. I don't know if you guys are uh, are doing something similar to that, but I just wanted to make sure that if we, you know, we were consistent in some regards. I'm, so I'm going to go for the J. Henry first, if that's cool by you guys. Cool. Yeah, it's fine. I have it on my right. So we flip flop, oh, no. but I know. Oh, no. I'm actually getting less off the nose on this one. I kind of am too. Same. But it's still pleasant. No, it's definitely pleasant. It's just not as, um, I don't know. Maybe with the other one, I was enjoying having a little ethanol hit because at 90, you know, what was it? 93 proof. Yeah. Basically. A little, a little See, ethanol at 93 proof is not going to hurt. Yeah, but I think that there's something to say about it being that uh, subtle of a nose at 119.86 proof. That's true. There's Not getting the proof here. I think I think where this might get us is on the palate is where you might get some of the heat there. I can tell this one's got a little more age on it. I'm picking up a little oak influence in, in the nose that I wasn't getting on the other one. The The longer that it sits in my glass, the more I'm starting to pick up on it. Yeah. Oh, that is much more viscous than the other one. Uh huh. It's got a great color yeah. to it, for sure. 
It's got a dense nose. You can definitely tell by smelling it that it's going to have something kind of oily going on with it as well. Uh, once you get to the palate. And Swan's Swan wasn't ready for the heat. <laughs> no, 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 no. Heat, no. Flavor, yes. It does have that kind of like, I'm going to say mint, but I don't mean minty flavor. I mean that kind of like weird rush that you get when you have a really, really minty gum and you can almost feel it like clearing your nasal pad. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what that yeah. did. It, did. it did that thing. It's the finish. That finish just like... You oh like breeze fire. It's like breeze yeah. fire through you. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you? Can I tell you? This is now really only the third time that I've had Jay Henry. Mm-hmm. Every single time, I am blown away by their products. Really and truly, I find them to be some of my favorite non-Kentucky bourbons. And actually, uh, oh no, you, you know what? I apologize. I'm conflating the Jay Henry with the Driftless Glen, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but. I there there's good stuff happening outside of Kentucky. I think that oh, and the more I'm talking, the more I'm getting that uh, that this mint is... flavor too. Oh man, that is that is straight up like mint gum <clears throat> through and through. It's a it's a um shoot. What's the big what's the big gum company? Wrigley? <laughs> huh? Not Wrigley. Wrigley. No, that the Orbit. Bubba. No, doesn't matter. I'll figure it out. In the okay. Um, <laughs> but we it's looked at a lot of them. Just pick one. It's, it's fucking... Yeah, sure. But it's got like a spearmint flavor. Uh, on Five? No. All right. I'm just going to give up now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't chew gum much anymore. I, I Me- used to fairly can fairly often, but now I'm just like. This will be. I'm actually really excited to compare this with the. Uh, Driftless Glen, like you were talking, Swan, because this was a just between the five year and the 44 month. Which is pretty similar, similar, but. Well, the, the Driftless Glen's the 44 month one. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I mixed that up. I, I'm actually just really it's interesting to me that it's only it's a five year age cash strength and I'm getting more of an age than just five years. Yeah, I I agree with that. That's more of what I was meaning. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, I I totally get you. I've never had a bourbon do this specifically, where I take a drink of it and I feel like instead of being able to chew it, it like almost evaporates on my tongue, and then I get the whole flavor profile and I'm like, I need another drink. It disappeared. Like I just, it's so strange. Yeah. I don't know. And I mean, I, I really enjoy the flavor. I don't think that's a complaint. Oh no. I want to drink more of your J Henry and sons bourbon, but I mean, it's, that's, it's different. Yeah. I really like it. I totally agree. I, it kind of leaves like a dry, uh, I feel I, I usually you speak of like dry wines or something like that, but I'm getting a very dry kind of bourbon feel here. Yeah, I don't think that's bad. There are people that no, I think that's like good. Dry finish. Uh, yeah, like Chad doesn't like dry. Yeah, and you know, I got to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of it. But if the flavor profile is strong enough, I'm not mad at it whatsoever. And this being so oily and dry is kind of a weird contrast. Uh, but it, it's the flavor is just so good, and it's hard to peg what 
I'm really picking up, to be honest. There's just a good amount. Like, I could probably drink this, I've said it before, you know, 20, 30 different times and get something slightly different every time. Yeah. yeah. But it is consistently good. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. I think that it, it has some really, really cool things going on with it. Um it it's it's easy for us to go, it's good at five years, but what's it gonna be like at six or seven? You know, but I am curious as to what this this would taste like at a at a slightly older age. Yeah. That being said, doesn't need it, it's still great. <laughs> This is a yeah. really good single barrel. And that was the the point of my comment before. I just got mixed up on what I was trying to say. No, no, no. You're was good, that I really, I mean, it tastes like what I would imagine an eight-year would be or a ten-year mm-hmm. would be. It's got a lot of oak influence for its age. Yeah. I don't know. If I had to peg down some flavors for this, I'd probably say like really high kind of dark chocolate like percentage-wise dark chocolate and mm-hmm. honey I'm yeah i i think you have to definitely acknowledge the the mint in your tasting notes as well yeah but yeah i 100 agree with you hmm. there is a light note of citrus kind of towards the back end of the palate as well kind of yeah. as the as the the finish is petering out too sorry hi other gus yeah, that's Gus. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. We've dealt with our, our fair share of dog barking interruptions. I'm not. <laughs> I am so unfair. Yeah. Overall, I think that uh, this this Jay Henry pick, just solid through and through. Very solid. Really. I, I, I am looking forward to rediscovering that I have the sample bottle eventually. Um, it's... I, I wish that Jay Henry was more available because I would like to get a bottle uh, in store here in Kentucky as well. Yeah, that's kind of what, what. What's like distribution on this a little bit? Not this specific, but just like Jay Henry. Yeah, generally it's not in Kentucky from yeah. what I from what I remember. Okay. Um, I think it's some more northern states. There's a chance that it might be available in Tennessee. I can't remember for sure. Uh, but I just I don't think that it's quite made it here yet. Here for me and Swan, not you. Got yeah, <laughs> and I also want to add to. He put a note with this. He said that uh, they've also they've won too many awards to mention San yes. Francisco World Spears competition, uh, and also it says that they just put out a a ten year anniversary bourbon, which is a blend of five to nine year old casks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds interesting. I mean, again, the five-year-old, perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with it, but that, that sounds interesting. Um, I don't know. I do wish the distribution was a little better. I mean, I think they do, too. Why wouldn't they, you know? We've got connections. We can definitely ask them what's up with that. We, we've got the connections. So we'll find it. We'll find out. How about this Driftless Glen, though? Driftless Glen. Sounds like what you say right before you're about to go out on stage and... <laughs> driftless clean driftless, driftless clean driftless clean i like the nose on this one quite a bit mm, me too there's a hint of i uh, like a like a potpourri note yeah but it's also got kind of like a meaty 
punch to it on the nose as well. If you had told me that you had already made an old fashioned and you handed me this, (laughs) I might believe you like it is. It it does have quite a bit of a sugary nose. Yeah. I'll be honest though. This is, I've not had driftless skin, a Glen in a long time. God, man, that is hard to say. Um, (laughs) Especially (laughs) after a couple of glasses of bourbon. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't get much like age on it. Like if you, it says it was aged 44 months. Uh, I just don't, I don't get like a young note and I don't get a overly aged note. I just get nothing in the age department, which is strange. I just like it, man. I actually picked up a note of uh, almond butter too, when I was kind of taking a deep dive into the nose. So I'm, I'm curious to see if that comes through on the palate. Yeah. I get the I get the almond butter. I'm get also getting some of the, some of the saltiness of like a like just an almond in general, like a salted almond. Whoa! There's a bourbon I've had that tastes just like this, and it's impressive that they did this in 44 months instead of t- 10, 10 something years. Wow! What is this one? Uh, the Jefferson's Voyage 10. Ooh, yeah. The brininess is there. Oh, it totally reminds me of that. The almond butter, it's there. The slight bit of citrus in the middle of the palate that just disappears on the finish. It almost reminds me of chess bars. Have you ever had those? Like chess pie? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, it's good. This is good. This is my favorite thing I've tried tonight. I have to agree. Which I'm, I'm looking forward to trying this uh, this blind one, too. Yeah, me too. For end of end of show flying blind. <laughs> I'll be honest, just on the nose comparing these two picks, Autos doesn't have a flavor profile. They just pick uh, no, they they pick good stuff, man. <laughs> they just pick what what is good out of the barrels that they are offered. I there's I've noticed that both of them have like a sweet similarity with a slight citrus somewhere in there, but that's it. I mean, who's mad at that? Those are very common bourbon notes. There's yeah. a there's a pine tree note that I'm picking up on the nose now too, but it's like real pine tree. It's yeah, not, no, it's not. It's not wash thing, right? Yeah, it's not pine saw. It's not uh, the yeah the thing you hang in your wind. Your uh, that's the power of pine saw, baby. <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to do it. Ooh, this is good. This is really good. I'm a big fan of this one. Yeah. I'd... I'm just reading about it right now, too. They've got so many other products. Uh, it's featured in Whiskey Advocates, top six best bourbons not from Kentucky. Mm. That's what I was getting at with the, the J. Henry. I accidentally confused the two. Uh, yeah. Oh, hey, you know what? Both of them might be in the top six, to be honest. That and Woodenville. Oh, my goodness, man. They're. Huh. Mm-hmm. I'd also like to try their. I mean, I, I know we're all bourbon, but. Um... They also make vodka, brandy, moonshine, and gin. Oh, I would be all about trying their. That's gin. a huge kind of a menu that they've got going on. I I would be so down for that. I would love to to do like a full review of a distillery that does that kind of stuff, and then find another one that does the same thing. Oh snap! We could do a hotel tango. Hotel and tango, absolutely. Just compare the two, man. Oh. We need to do that. We actually need to put this up against the Hotel Tango two-year bourbon. I think that would be a really cool comparison. 
Yeah, that would be. Yeah, and then they've also got vodka and gin, which Hotel Tango has both of. We <laughs> just do their whole lineup, man. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm totally, totally here for it. I have actually been drinking. I don't even know if I've talked about this on the show. I've been drinking more uh, gin and tonics. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's something about the, the weather where I've just been in the mood for, you know, not a super heavy drink. Bourbon can be super heavy, of course. Uh, but that being more said. More of a summery. More yeah. of a summer drink. Yeah. That being said. Lighter. I still like taking bourbon out to the pool. That's fair. That's all. Yeah, I do like being that guy. <laughs> I do. I like being that you know? guy, okay? No, I'm hey, serious, man. though. Like, you walk out to the pool, you're you're kind of that guy. <laughs> you have to admit, you kind of are. Like, you walk out, and it's I like know. 90 degrees, scorching hot, and you're, like, drinking bourbon, and all the people are like, you're like, get off me. I like bourbon, okay? Just maybe. You're, yeah. like, sweating in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like Kurt's one of two guys. Is either the guy that brings bourbon to the pool, or he shows up with that giant margarita mixer, and he's like, all right, let's get it started, you guys, and he's just going nuts. There you go. Yeah, it's one of the two. It's either bourbon or margaritas. That was easily your best wedding present, right? <laughs> uh, it wasn't a wedding present. I actually I bought that. Oh, yeah, for, you bought that yourself. That's right. I forgot about that. No, I, I bought it for uh, an anniversary present for Allie. <laughs> amazing yeah (laughs) all right you guys ready for the latest flying blind ever oh yeah let me finish one of these i only brought three glasses so this is a blind sample that bill sent to us all right we doing blind then uh yes we actually have oh my gosh we have a, a a barrel rings no way i'm not kidding this is the first time this is the first time in in forever so i'm looking forward to getting to that eventually what did he give us in this wine sample i guess that's the whole point but like what is this what getting nothing now i might as well be sniffing an empty glass i am getting A very general, like, rickhouse smell from it. It it really reminds me, and it could be that it's lower proof than either any of the things that we've had, uh, especially the previous two. But it it has just kind of this general air for me of oak and and bourbon that's left the uh, left the barrel. I think I figured out my problem. I accidentally brought three glasses and one of them is giant, uh, as you can see here. <laughs> uh, so I, I accidentally put it in the large one here. That might be me. That might be me. I will say it does smell like it's a little bit lower proof. Yeah. I kind of want to say like lower age too. I mean, I, I don't yeah, know I if it's age stated it or not. But... Oh, <laughs> oh wow that that's a, that's what does that mean though it's uh <coughs> oh <gosh>. okay <laughs> okay so there's a mental one <laughs> there's a mental preparation with every bourbon where i'm like okay well the nose isn't too proof heavy i don't need to like prepare myself to drink liquid fire 
this one, I feel like the proof's up there where it's young and it's just got a lot of ethanol going on. I did not prepare for it. I, I'm going to go with young and lower proof. I think it might be deceiving us. But just just slightly. I think that it could be in the 100 proof range. Mm. I don't think so. Really? I don't know. I feel pretty... I don't know. It, this feels like a, a little bit of a value bourbon for me. Like... I think he started us with these 120 proofs, and there's something. <laughs> this is this is benchmark. <laughs> I, I think he's tricking us a little. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. It could. I mean, it could totally be. I I don't think that it tastes like it's limited edition. I think that it definitely has a more everyday quality to it. But I could see it really, really tricking us. It kind of reminds me. Just, just slightly of a Buffalo Trace barrel pick. Okay. I think it's got similar notes to it. Um, Whether or not this is actually Buffalo Trace, I don't know. I mean, it it could be a, it could be anything. Who's to say? I I mean, like, it's hard to postulate about this kind of thing. I can see it in that realm. I definitely think it's in that like nothing special, but more of a, this is, this is like a standard or this is a, uh, maybe a pick of something. I I, I don't know. Like I said, it's from the antique collection, you know, (laughs) dude, if it is, I'm the I'm so off. <laughs> I would feel so bad. And and Me like too. that that is something that I feel like would totally happen to us with this. Um Swan, you're still kind of you seem like you're processing it still. What do you what are you feeling? I feel like it's a weeder. Really? I guess let's kind of get so what kind of flavors are you getting on the palate, would you say? For me, um let me go back. Uh, baked bread, like freshly baked bread. I think it kind of starts to lean into some savory notes as well. Starts to give way to a little bit of citrus uh, once it rolls into the finish. I think the finish actually has a, a more earthy, kind of mossy flavor to it as well it's not a super long finish i'm still getting the hug with it but overall i think that it's just kind of um it tapers off pretty quickly with the with the finish uh overall i think it's you know i think it's really pleasing i think it's not a bad uh a bad drinker uh in in that regard yeah i'd I'd, I'd agree with that i'm definitely getting some of that that baked bread that yeast um that yeast smell definitely of reminding you of like a bourbon uh, or, or like a distillery type of smell. Like you went past Buffalo Trace and it was, you know, th- you're getting that yeast smell. Well, that's what um, I was kind of getting at with the nose, too. I think that it's the nose is a little bit more general. I think the nose leans more towards 
what I was saying was, you know, you walk into a distillery and you're kind of just getting the fumes coming off of the barrels and, and everything. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that it's just kind of like a standard bourbon note. Yeah. There. Mm-hmm. So. See, I'm, I'm getting like bread, kind of like a artificial cherry and sorghum. I could definitely see the artificial cherry. I don't know if I'm quite in the the sorghum place. Maybe closer to maybe something a little bit lighter. Maybe more in the the range of like a like a brown sugar. Okay. Mm, yeah, I can see that. I think if the proof is deceiving, I'm going to say this is like more five ish. That's what I was thinking too. I think that it's. I don't think that it's super high. I'm going to stick within the, the hundred proof range. I really don't have a guess as to what this product is. Yeah. I'm going actuality. just for just, I think I'm going to go for lower under a hundred. I think that might be the safe bet. I feel like that's going to be the most accurate out of all of them. Um, we'll, we'll do this together. We'll find out all at the same time. If you guys are ready. I have my paper in hand. Got mine as do well. you both. All right. You ready? Yep. Let's go. Right. Three, two, one. Let's find out. Swan. You hit the nail on the freaking head, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I've had Breckenridge. It All right. All right. Breckenridge. Okay, so it's Breckenridge High Proof Blend, 105 proof, blend of bourbon whiskey aged at least two years. Uh, and Bill said he got this bottle on clearance for the price of ten dollars. <laughs> oh no, that's you awesome! Part there, got this bottle on uh, clearance for the RIP price. The rest, <laughs> <laughs> the pennies over cost shelf. Yeah, all. exactly. Yes, I don't know if I've ever actually had Breckenridge. I've had Breckenridge quite a few times. They're very known for being um, kind of honey heavy, uh, not a whole lot of barrel influence. It's a blended whiskey, and they're out of Colorado. Um, I enjoy some oh, of the products. I, I have. I take that back. Right. Yeah, Chad. Chad, let me try one of his picks, and it was pretty good. They've done pretty well in some spirits competitions here and there, but it's genuinely like generally considered to just be, meh. you know, nobody really buys it. It sits on the shelf. I, uh, but I don't mind this one. I thought this was actually kind of good. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, no, you're not. I mean, it's a, it's a two year bourbon or well blended whiskey and it, and it shows, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, I just, it's okay. Yeah. I think that that's what it was. The age for me is that I think that shows through and obviously so, I mean, you know, a two year, you're gonna you're gonna sense that. So I think that for me that's where it was at. Um, but I, I mean, I was wrong on the 105 proof. I thought it was below 90. Uh, yeah, I mean, Swan had it nailed on the head there. Um, so that was good. I think it's the youthfulness being paired with the proof that really would throw somebody off. Yeah. With this, I I wasn't picking up any super young notes personally 
No, and I think too you've got to think that it's it's a blended whiskey, so they may put something in there that just really is off spectrum mixed with a two year. It no, uh, he says it's a blend of bourbon whiskey. Blend of bourbon, okay. Yeah, but still, it's a blend, so you could why well, you could still have like a two year in there, and they're going to call it that, right? Well, I mean, any it can sit in the barrel for half a second and still be called bourbon. That's true, but, but what. What he's saying is that the bourbon that is blended into this is at least two years old. It's, uh, I don't know. It's strange. It is very oily for something that's going to be sitting around two years. It is. It hangs around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's good, especially for the price of $10. Really yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll buy just about any bottle for $10. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> especially if it's on clearance. I mean that that is in and of itself a story to be told. Doesn't have to be a good bottle on ten dollar clearance, but <laughs> I got it. I got to know. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have one of two reactions. It's like, why was this on sale? Or you're gonna go. That's okay, why. Yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. And so I mean, both of those at ten dollars. That's that's a gamble I'm willing to take pretty regularly. For sure. So again, I want to say thank you to Bill uh, Beer Lovers WI on Instagram. Thank you so much for sending us these samples. This was a really, really cool little flight that we got to uh, experience here tonight. Uh, guys, we haven't done this in a while, but we actually have a barrel rings tonight. I am super excited for this. Uh, anybody want to guess who it might be before we get into it? I hope it's Papa Ritter. <laughs> why? Why would you? Uh, <laughs> why would you assume it would be him? Man, I wouldn't. Ass. I hope it's Papa Ritter. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't assume. I just am hoping that it is. Well, uh, spoiler alert: it is. Um, <laughs> so we are going to see what Papa Ritter had to say for this week's edition. Of Barrel Rings, which you can reach us at to leave us a voicemail at 859-428-8253. And we will listen to your voicemail here on the show. So, let's do this. Hey guys, uh, Grandpapa Ritter here. I know you all are recording. and hope that you can get this in before you stop. Question for Swanee. Sorry to hear about your cat dying over the weekend. But I would really like to hear a description of your new cat. And how you all are getting along. All the best. Cheers. I hope to uh, be on the show sometime soon. Cheers and love to all. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. So a little bit of backstory. Um, I apologize for laughing a, a bit at that. But uh, Swan, you unfortunately had to put a uh, cat down this weekend. Yeah, I've had her for a long time. She's been a she was a stray, so trying to figure out her age was a little difficult. But the vet thought she was somewhere between ten to twelve. But uh, she uh, she got put down. She had a mouth tumor. I was in her jawline. Uh, just couldn't eat anymore. Just time, you know. Um, but our second cat, Bruce, needs a companion. He's he gets pretty lonely. He actually pouts and cries, which is simultaneously adorable and terrifying and sad uh but we we went to the 
Lexington Humane Society, and uh, they were doing adoptions for $20 to $25, depending on the animal. So he walked in, and this cat looked straight at me and, like, did the head cock, you know, that the that dogs do. And I'm like, that one. That one's going on with me. <laughs> so I took it home. His name was originally Buck. We've named him Gus now. Um, and realize now we have two Gusses among the, among the group here. Yes. Um, That's a good name. It's a great name. That's a great name. Uh, and uh, the new cat is great. Super skittish at first, running around, didn't want to see anything. And then last night, I woke up and he's just like kneading me on on my chest, and he's just like, "Can you wake up and like pet me or something?" What is going on? <laughs> you just adopted me. Give me attention. And I'm like, "All right, cool." And so I hang out with him for a little bit and go back to sleep. And uh, this morning we introduced the two cats, and I'm like, "Well, he needs a companion. This is gonna be great. He's gonna love him. This little kitten. He's only like a year and a half years old. I mean, you know, he's he's not too old." Introduced the two hissing man oh my gosh. just pissed off at each other and i'm like well this is going great <laughs> but uh no it's 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 great man i'm i'm super excited to have a new kitten you know i mean i'm so happy to give uh cat my previous one a good life and now i can give this one a good life speaking of which we got gus on the on the channel here we got the other gus yeah, yeah curtis gus. is showing off gus the dog yeah we'll get him <laughs> Gus is a good boy. So, I know he can't Gus hear me, good, but Gus is a good boy. Are you a good yeah. boy? He's a good pupper. That's He's for sweet. Sure. He's sweet as can be, man. Yeah. yeah. All right. Really good. <laughs> I, I adopted a domestic short hair, and it's got the the signs of being a Maine Coon, which, if you look that up, is a ginormous cat. Uh, so yeah, that's what Papa Ritter was getting at more than anything. That's gonna be fun. <laughs> you're gonna have a cat that is as big as like a rottweiler if it is full bred <laughs> yeah it's got the little ear tufts it's got the m on its forehead it's got the like two layers of fur and the big neck thing already it's gonna be fun <laughs> well thanks to pop Ritter for sending in a barrel rings for this week you can send yours into 859-428-8253 you can leave us a message and we will listen to it again here on the show and respond to it it can literally be about anything which <laughs> has uh, been proven it's pandora's box right there but here tonight it absolutely <laughs> is uh, but I will I will ask, uh, and maybe we'll wind up with uh, some responses. Doesn't even have to be on the barrel rings. You could uh, send us a tweet or an email or a Facebook post or anything. Uh, let us know what your favorite out of Kentucky bourbon has been that you have been able to experience uh, in your your bourbon journey. What uh, will we do? Jeez, sorry. I had a I had a real tough run up there on that one. That was like running uphill after I had already. <laughs> i will say it outside while. of kentucky bourbon i would say this j henry man i think the j henry is where it's at yeah truly i think that's uh that's been the best thing that i've had out of kentucky same America. here yeah i mean hotel tango too don't get me wrong yeah so kurt i know you haven't had you haven't been able to have that yet we need to get mm -hmm. you we gotta get you some of that dude yeah, no, I, I'd I'd love to try it. We haven't There's even one... tried the 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 wheat bourbon yet. No, oh, yeah, we need to mm -hmm. get that. Then. I also want to try this North Side. There's this North Side like Cincinnati. I, it might I don't know if it's bourbon or if it's just whiskey, 
but I just want to try it just because I'm living in Cincinnati now. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so, that'd be a that'd be a fun episode for us to do too. I'll have to <laughs> grab that sometime. Please, yeah. <laughs> well, we always like to round out the show by recommending things to people, and that's what we do here in our tips and bits segment. Guys, what tips and or bits do you have for our listeners this week? Uh, I've been watching the TV show. It's on Netflix. It's uh, called Dirty Money. Have you ever seen this? I have not. So it's on Netflix, but it's just like a. <sighs> It's an explanation of like some just aggressive businessmen that have gone through anything and everything for their, you know, monetary bottom line. And some of it is just like an absolute like exposing that that person expose kind of thing. Right. And some of them are just wild. Like I found out that Canada at some point has apparently like regulated the amount of maple syrup so that they can keep the price just like a um, just like oil. Which is strange. I mean, it's just like just weird little things. You find yourself like clicking on an episode and you're like, I'll just watch one, you know, whatever. It's fine. It's interesting. It's a topical thing. It's and, and you start watching it and you get halfway through and you're like, it's been four hours. I've watched. <laughs> what on earth is going on? <laughs> and, and some of it, uh, granted, is very tinfoil hat. And then some of it is very like, OK, this is plausible. I get it. Uh, so it's it's definitely worth giving a watch gotcha yeah so for mine uh ali and i we recently have started a uh an aquarium interesting yes it hasn't been going great for us so far oh no oh no (laughs) we have had a fish die (laughs) Um, (laughs) okay when you say recently how recent has it been uh it's probably been about I don't know, two to three weeks or so. <laughs> so we're still, I mean, we're still learning some things here. Like, <laughs> that is. <laughs> Just sip the bourbon, man. Just <laughs> That's not enough time, dude. <laughs> no, it is because it's actually the, so it's more or less. We finally got to the where we have the pH balance, we have the the temperature of the water, like we have it all ready and set to go. Mm-hmm. That was our problem is we just didn't we just didn't have the right like setup, you know, the first time around. So I think we're getting there. And uh so anyway, I'm super excited about that and that's I would recommend doing that. Just better than us probably. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Robot Scott on YouTube, uh, which is where we're streaming this for Patreon, asked freshwater or saltwater. Uh, it is freshwater, um, and we've had we've had a beta fish before, and we <laughs> this thing lived. His name was Fitz, and this thing lived for three years. Yeah, they live forever. Yeah, it it lived a long, long time, and it had lived through like. My apartment, Allie's apartment in Virginia, like it was everywhere, man. And it still was alive. It, it's he's no longer with us, but <laughs> but he had been through a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it's I been got, a long time since we checked in with you, Kurt, and I'm, I apologize for that. <laughs> I got I got a fun story too, if you wanted of the of a fish. Tank. Oh please, oh please! Yeah. I've got one I'll tell as well. 
when I was a uh, when I was younger, uh, we were moving from one house to the other, and I had within the last six months of us moving been like really into getting a freshwater setup, and I, I did the same thing. I spent like three or four weeks just like really just letting it get together and like making sure the filter was running and the pH balance was fine. Bought a bunch of neon Tetra, and I was like, "This is the setup, man. It's right next to my bed." It's huge. The water's running. I don't have to leave my fan on at night because I always leave a fan on. And I'm like, this is cool. And then uh, I was like, all right, it's moving day. Turn the thing off. And I was like, as soon as I get home, I'm going to plug it up and make sure all the fish are good. And, uh, of course, it's full of water. So I drained some of it. And I was like, it'll be fine. I'll fill it back up slowly and let the pH balance get back. And my dad picks it up out of his truck at the time. And he gets about halfway to the garage. My dad's a bigger guy, so he's walking it. He gets about halfway to the garage. And I just, I turn around and he just drops the whole thing. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. So I look like me on Tetra, just on the, on the sidewalk, just flapping around. <laughs> and I'm like 14, so I'm just devastated, man. <laughs> <laughs> my first pet and then they put me on they're all gone simultaneously <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> that's oh, that's terrible <laughs> and I've yet to have a fish since cannot do it I... oh my goodness <laughs> so so uh, <sighs> see I had one fish he had 20 all I've got to say Listen, I'm taking the pain off you, man. I'm the I'm the killer here. At, at this point, I'm a fish serial killer. Yeah. So, yeah, Kurt, so Kurt. Uh, Robot Scott, if you uh, you have <laughs> any advice for us, <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, well, um, hey, I, tips my tips and bits are as follows. I. <laughs> I have not actually listened to it yet, but I am probably going to be getting into Ray LaMontagne's new album. Uh, it just came out like this past week, I think, maybe or, or within the month. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I'm a huge fan of uh, his music, have been for uh, a long time. So I'm looking forward to kind of getting into getting into that album for sure. There is a new podcast that I've been listening to as well, and it's from uh, some some Kentucky boys here very very local uh actually was started by uh the brother of lucy's best friend uh and a couple of his uh good friends as well it's called tell me i'm wrong uh, and they basically just debate uh a a topic um for a while and it's just really fun and funny to to hear guys go back and forth about you know meaningless stuff like their first episode was you know what would be the worst tv show character household to be stuck in during coronavirus quarantine and it was it was good it was really really good i i'm looking forward to seeing more of what those guys do maybe we'll have to bring them on and have a tell me i'm wrong about bourbon episode too we already did that with what the gizmo was that was it was articles (laughs) Oh, the um, Gear Patrol. Gear Patrol. <laughs> Gizmodo. Yeah. No, I think it'd be it'd be fun to do a little local collab 
because uh, there aren't many podcasts, oddly enough, that exist in Lexington. So no. we'll have to do that sometime. But uh, that's for another week because we have just wrapped up this week's episode of this My Bourbon Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to the show each and every week, as well as those of you who might be new listeners. I, I have no idea if you have even made it in <laughs> to the show this far, uh, being a new listener. But you know what? And that's what this fourth loose episode of the month is supposed to be about. We just, uh, you know, we're not taking ourselves as seriously as we normally do. So uh, on that note, where can guys, where can guys, only guys, not guys and girls. (laughs) Yes. Where can people find you on social media is what I was trying to ask there. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at my bourbon finder. Hopefully I can sign into Instagram here soon. (laughs) (laughs) You you got a new phone like three weeks ago and you've still not logged into it. Listen, man, it's been, (laughs) it's been rough. Fair enough. Kurt (laughs) on Twitter. You can find me at Kurt underscore con 15 and Instagram at Kurt con. And I am at PRitter1492 on all social media channels. You can follow the show at MyBourbonPod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can leave us a five-star rating and review right in app from your podcast provider. Probably not as much as you could from somewhere like Apple in their podcast app. Uh, If you do leave us a rating and a review, we will actually read it out on air for you. And uh, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing that we offer. We haven't had one in a while. So if you feel like that is something that you would like to do, uh, please go in there and do that. It is actually really uh, helpful for us trying to reach new listeners, trying to show up in uh, in the search feed. If you get something like uh, you search for bourbon podcasts and uh, we'll, we'll pop up a little bit ahead of some other folks. So, you know, we all want to share the wealth, of course, but, you know. Let's get some other people to find us, please. Uh, You can find all of our apparel and merchandise at bourbonshop.threadless.com, which actually, as of today, uh, as of recording, launched three years ago. How crazy is that? So uh, that means we're coming up very, very quickly on the three-year anniversary of the podcast, uh, as well as the 150th episode, which we will talk more about at a later date, because by that time, I'm probably going to have a baby that I have to take care of. So <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens and how we, uh, how we get through that. I, uh, you can also leave us a voicemail as you heard earlier at a five, nine, four, two, eight, eight, two, five, three for our barrel ring segment. Uh, and that's a great way to get in contact with the show. Uh, you can send all your questions or comments to this is my bourbon shop at gmail.com. You can become a part of our Facebook group at facebook.com. You just search for This Is My Bourbon Group, answer a couple of questions, and we will make sure to get you in there. And then last but not least, our Patreon is where you can become a supporter of the show for as little as a dollar a month and all the way up to, I believe, 50 bucks a month, which is, you're crazy if you're doing that. But we also appreciate people who uh, donate to the show every single week, every single month. You guys really uh, do help us continue with the show swan you've got something you really seem like you want to say we've got a new segment at the end of this called uh last call so we're going to be doing the uh 1.5 version of that since we lost last yes. week's episode yeah i just found an article that don nishida got 
tagged in that I think we could definitely go over and tear to pieces in our segment. We will certainly talk about that. That will be for our Patreon listeners. Uh, You do get the pregame chats, which come out the day before every episode. And now the last call chats, last call episode. I don't know. We haven't we haven't workshopped the name just yet, uh, but that is all at patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast. And uh, yeah, I think that does it for this week. Next week, we're going to be talking about uh, how hard it is to actually price and value bourbons. Uh, Swan and I were talking about, you know, picking up a bottle of the newest bookers. And uh, Kurt, if you can do the same. Hope, hope you can be on with us. Yeah, definitely. I'll try. To. <laughs> All right, man. Well, that does it for this week of This is My Bourbon Podcast. We will see you next week. But until then, I'm Perry. I'm Curtis. And I'm Swan. And this is My Bourbon Podcast. Podcast.